everybody. This is Tommy Dees, Sports Director of the Tennessean, and I'm here with Adam Sparks, the Vanderbilt beat writer, also for the Tennessean, amazingly. And you know what we're doing? What are we doing? We're breaking down the doors. We are. Let's break them down. We may be breaking bad. Is that that what this... Can we... Is that title taken? Uh, I think it is. I think it's copyrighted. Darn. Yeah. See, I thought I was onto something. That could catch on. That's going to change, though, right? For Vandy, at least. It, it might. It might. And I guess that's what we want to talk about first is, is, is Vanderbilt really, you know, they're, they're 0-3. They got, I won't say humiliated, but beaten very badly by LSU this past week. They lost at Purdue, and they lost at home to Georgia in a game where I don't think they look terrible. But is that because those teams are really, really good, or is that because Vanderbilt's really, really bad? Well, first off, I don't know – you. I know they lost those games. I don't know if Vandy fans know because I didn't see any of them there. <laughs> All those LSU and Georgia fans know. <laughs> they, uh, Georgia, the LSU band was there. The LSU fans were there. There were some Vandy fans there, but there were only about four or 5,000 of City. them. Of course you want to bring the band. Sure. Why not? Um, bring the whole band or just the pep band? They out? brought the whole band. They right. were there on the field. This was actually a little bit of a Twitter war. Why is the opposing band on the field before the game now the answer is that vandy's baseball team got their national championship rings at halftime lsu was going to play at halftime so they had to play at the beginning of the game i also think it was very and i tweeted this i think it was very purposeful that vandy handed out their baseball national championship rings with a lot of lsu in front of lsu yeah there's no way that was by accident sure yeah Take that back to Alex Box. You know, that's the name of the stadium, uh-huh. you know, if you didn't know, in LSU. Yeah, take that back. Okay. And so then Ed Orgeron said, well, we'll just see about that. That's right. Well, we're going to hang 66 yeah. on you. We're going to hang two, two-thirds of 100 on you. <laughs> so the numbers aren't good. I mean, 66 points. Uh, you know, the, the passing defense is horrendous by the numbers and I think by the naked eye, too. Let's let's take these one at a time. You want to go offense or defense first? Let's talk about the defense first because that's clarion. And and you know where we last left off. I wasn't with you last week on this particular podcast. Uh, when we had last spoke last time, I was in the Vanderbilt press box. Vandy's defense didn't look terrible against Georgia, especially the pass defense. Georgia got some things going, but the second half, they never sustained a drive. Yeah, and I think LSU saw some things in the Purdue game where they said, if Purdue can throw for 500, we can do that too. <laughs> we can throw for 1,000. <laughs> That's right. Every game, they're going to have to make this this call of whether or not they want to dial up a lot of blitzes or if they want to sit back in coverage because their front seven is young, inexperienced. They don't really know. They don't really have guys they can count on a lot, two or three guys maybe, but not many, that have been there before. So the blitzes didn't work. Their angles were bad. They didn't get to the quarterback enough. And then they have almost a completely new secondary, so you don't know how much they can hold up on the back end. The idea the other day was let's send the house and let's get into press man coverage and try to get there before he can release the ball or get a good get a good uh, look through his progressions that didn't work good because plan didn't work no it didn't and the blitz got there some joe burrow got hit a little bit but the problem the problem is the two the front end and the back end were not working together so the blitz came but the press man didn't happen you had db's 
giving an enormous cushion to receivers. And so you had open receivers pretty quickly, and the Blitz didn't really have time to get there. They've got to work together on that. It looked like um, it looked like a blitzing front seven and a cover two back end in the secondary. Those don't those usually don't go together. Uh, they've and again they they haven't played together that much. So LSU had some to do with that, but the pieces were not working well defensively. They're going to have to work better against Northern Illinois. I will say Northern Illinois throws the ball, and if they look at any film of Vandy, they're going to throw the ball even more. Uh, they're yeah, I mean, you can't help. I mean, if, if I'm Northern Illinois in particular, but if I'm Ole Miss, if I'm South Carolina, if I'm whoever, I'm going to test that secondary. Sure. I mean, you have to. Sure. And, you know, the, the, you got to see if the, the communication is there. Again, inexperienced group. And if it's not, then, yeah, you're going to throw the ball. I mean, Purdue have essentially abandoned the run, and LSU did to a large extent. If you can throw it, why try to get four yards at a time? And so uh, now Northern Illinois will try to do that anyway. I had a story uh, in the Tennessee in a couple of days ago, or maybe, maybe yesterday, about how um, – um, how the quarterbacks are weaker on down the stretch. A lot of backups, a lot of uh, quarterback competitions. Uh, I mean, look at it, Knoxville and a few other places for that that are on Vandy's schedule. But this one is not that case necessarily. Northern Illinois has a quarterback that's a Cal transfer. So he was he was in the Pac-12. Now he's in the MAC, where Vandy's quarterback Riley Neal was in the MAC. Now he's in the SEC. So similar quarterbacks. He's a top forty. It's almost like kind of a, like a three way trade there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the <laughs> Mariners player get to be named right, later. Yeah. The, the, the Mariners Cal get gets. this. The Yankees get that. Yeah. Right. But so they're going to try to throw the ball. They're like bottom three or four in the country in rushing, and they're top forty in passing. So they're going to come in and do that anyway. And usually, Mac schools try to, you know, that's what they're known for: their yeah. quarterbacks and throwing the ball. So they'll do plenty of that. Vandy will have an opportunity defensively to show that. What went wrong in the first three games had more to do with the competition than it did Vandy. And Purdue's a good, well-coached team, a rising program, known for their offense much more than their defense, although the, when we flip the sides, that, that raises questions. But Georgia, I, again, I thought Vandy held up well. Now, the first, what, 10 minutes of the game, they looked horrible. I mean, they looked unprepared. I mean, and Georgia looked great, and Georgia may be great. Georgia's a contender. But they settled down and they solved some things. The, the thing that I was encouraged by in the Georgia game was the problem solving. They didn't just come out and say, oh, boy, this is all we got and it, it ain't working and panic. They said, well, let's try this and let's we see what they're doing. Let's try to take that away. Yeah, and there's a very – there's a feeling out process right now with Vandy's coaching staff with what they have, more so on the defensive side because they don't have known quantities there. It's harder to do that when you're playing top five teams and a really good offense. You don't have that uh, that directional school to kind of work those things out. Derek Mason said in the press conference today that judging how much to blitz and how much to sit back in coverage is has to do with your knowledge of your players. And I don't think they really have a lot of knowledge of their players right now. They don't really know who to count on on a play-in, play-out basis. You know, in the past, even if you look at last year, the blitz wasn't there as much as they needed it, but they could say, okay, well, Juwan Williams, who's now with the Patriots, he's on the back end. We can leave him alone with any wide receiver, and he can hold his own. Right. Uh, and maybe give some help on the other side. Yes. And, and feel like you've got a 
good chance of they slowing had, them down. And they had on the and the other side, they had a senior two, three-year starter corner. They had Ladarius Wiley at safety who had been there forever. They knew what they had back there, so they could judge what they were going to do based on that. Right now they've got two transfers at corner. They've got safeties that have played very little. They have a freshman starting at safety. They had one injured last game. They had another injured two games before that. They just don't know what they have, so they don't know what to count on. They've got to figure that out, though. I mean, these coaches are paid to look at what they have and know how that works and not necessarily think, well, it worked last year. Yeah, and, and when you, at some point you just had to start blitzing LSU because you weren't going to cover them anyway. Right. Um, LSU, with some help from this game, but uh, they were already – I looked it up last year. LSU was ranked like sixty something in the country in passing. Like I had to keep looking. Like, did they overlook them? <laughs> kept scrolling down. Now they're number two, and only to Washington State, which is going to outpass. They got that New Orleans Saints system now. Yeah, and um, they don't have Drew Brees, but they've got a good quarterback. Best they've had in a while. By the way, I thought a week ago. I remember on here I told Gentry when he was sitting in, that I wanted to look at Joe Burrow and LSU and decide whether or not I think they can take out Alabama and the West. Despite all those points, I'm not buying it because of that defense. You got the other side, which we're about to slip to, but looking at that matchup, you got the other side is that Alabama has looked vulnerable on defense. They can get Alabama in a shootout. Yeah, I think LSU's looked more vulnerable. Well, and let me put it this way. I think Alabama can fix defensive deficiencies better than LSU can. So I think that will get better. I just, uh, LSU, if I was an LSU fan, I would say if this is a shootout, we can maybe beat Alabama. But if anybody's going to make stops, that we're not going to make them. Hope you have the ball last kind of thing. That's right. Yeah. And that, that, that'll be, I mean, hey, Tua versus Burrow, and I'm, I'm a Heisman, I'm a Heisman voter. That's prime time. On CBS. I think it's in Tuscaloosa, too, this that year. That is I correct, think. I yeah. believe. I'd have to look it up. I don't but remember. But that is a very Heisman winning type game. And that's that's a game that you, that's appointment TV. Yes. I yep. want I want to be watching. So let's, you want to flip to well, the other side? Let's flip this. Let's, let's talk about that Vanderbilt defense that got lit up for 66 points. And how, how, what, what are the, they haven't given up less than 30 yet, have they? You're saying, you're saying LSU's defense. No, I'm talking about Vanderbilt's defense. We're flipping to talk about – oh, we already talked we're going, about We're going offense, well, yeah. Before we do that, I, let's I knew what you were, I given knew what you were up 30. Yeah. So, anyway, let's do flip. And, and, and the, uh, Vanderbilt did score some points. They had, uh, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn had 130 yards. Uh, that was his breakout game, which he needed. I thought the best thing was he got a 41-yarder on the first play. He had a 52-yard touchdown. Uh, Keyshawn – last year had 10 rushes of 40 yards or more that was double any other running back in the sec next one had five he had 10 that's where he gets his yards that's where he's a difference maker for vandy yes explosive play so you get two of those if he can get a couple of those every game you've got something this is the type of game against northern illinois that he's get two three four of those i thought that was a good sign riley neal continues to look more comfortable you know, he threw for almost 400 yards against Purdue. He threw for 200 and something in this one. I thought what jumped out to me was he looked he looked comfortable in the offense. The you know, if you look at the Georgia game for him in terms of comfort level, he was a D. 
in the Purdue game, I'd say. I don't know if I'd have gone that high, quite frankly. (laughs) You're a generous, generous man. D minus. Okay. He was a D minus, good completion percentage, but that's about it. Yeah. D D minus. And then I thought in the Purdue game, he He was. He looked like a first start. He, 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 he's got experience outside the SEC. It looked like welcome to the SEC. Yeah, and in the Purdue game, it, whether he, he threw for a lot of yards, but I thought his comfort level was about a C minus through the deep ball well, threw some timing routes better. I thought in this game it was more of a C plus. Again, it wasn't an enormous amount of yards, but you saw the play action. He would turn and throw. It wasn't turn, one Mississippi, two Mississippi throw. He just worked through his progression so much easier. He he found Kalijah Lipscomb about a step earlier than he did the games before. Everything timing-wise looked better. He realized Kalijah Lipscomb existed earlier (laughs) than he did the games before. Certainly didn't in the first game, that's for sure. Who Um, who is that guy? He's kind of a good-looking athlete. Is he on our team? I heard he led the SEC in receptions, but I haven't found him yet. Yeah. but, uh, yeah, I mean, it. so what that tells me is the passing game is there, but it also tells me that each game you can expect him to be a little better. And if that's the case, then you've got, you've got some balance on your offense. And if you have that coupled with a better offensive line, that's the biggest news this week, at least the possible news, is that Devin Cochran, the left tackle, I'd say is probable to come back. Sean McMoore who is a swing guy. He's a backup center guard. He should be back this week. If they get them completely back, they're at full strength on the offensive line for the first time, and then suddenly you have what you thought that unit would be, a unit that can put up 30 points in pretty much any game, not just the LSU game. Yeah, and LSU's a good a good opponent and put up that many points, and I'm not sure how many starters LSU had in for how long, but Vanderbilt needed to show that it can be the kind of offense that we suspected it could be that we expected it could be because you got the big three you've got playmakers you got one of the best running backs in the conference you got a very good receiver I don't know if he's in the top tier in the conference but he's at least in the second tier and there's there's guys in both those tiers who are going to be playing on Sundays I'm I'm encouraged by what they've done offensively. They've gotten better each game. They were not good in a lot of phases of the offense uh, against Georgia. So now now we look at, at what they can be going forward. And, and Derek Mason said today at his, his press conference that the second quarter of the season, which is technically true if you don't go to a bowl. Sure. Or at least the season as is scheduled right now. The second quarter begins this week. And in the second quarter, he's put his spin on it of how he looks at the first quarter, which was an 0-3 start. And here's how Derek Mason put that today. I thought the, 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 the front-end schedule really lent itself to, to really exposing everything that we are, you know, on the front end. And that's okay. You know, you, you want to you be exposed, man. It's, it's tough to get exposed and make changes during the middle of the season. That's not what you want. You want to you want to see what your flaws are and try to make sure now, man, as as you're moving into it, you you truly understand what guys can play, what guys, you know, man, are maybe 15 to 20 rep guys versus being 45 rep guys. You know, you 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 really got to solidify, you know, how you're playing, what your rotations look like, getting best players on the field and making sure again, defense, offense, and special teams suits suits those players so that you can play, you know, really good ball. And you know, man, what I've seen so far is that you know, when our guys, you know, with the schedule at hand, you know, really, really, really uh, got 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 put in some vulnerable 
you know, my situations and positions. So he said it's tough to get exposed, but you want to be exposed. That's, that's a funny way of putting He's it. He's a guy who said he welcomed these first three games being stacked up like they were at the beginning. And spin zone. Yeah. I mean, but before the season, he said sure. he welcomed them. At media days, he said that. Yes, That's right. he did. Yeah. He did. And, and I don't know if he feels that way on our now or not, but uh, I guess he can look and, and say, well, at least we got that over with. Well, the thing I talked about before about knowing your personnel, I think he, and he alluded to it a little bit there, he thinks he knows his personnel now because whatever they could do or couldn't do against a top five team, you can whatever they could do they can also do it against a lesser opponent and so you at least have that that type of idea oh and three how much better do they get you want to run through the games real quick i I think that's that is and of course we can start with they've already played georgia at home being the only saving grace if you want to say if you had to play georgia and lsu you'd rather play them at home but they started out with loss to georgia they went to purdue then they lost at home to lsu and now we begin a, a stretch of, I think, what are probably the three most crucial games on their schedule. If you want to talk about still winning six games, still going to a bowl, um, keeping the streak against Tennessee is, of course, another piece of this puzzle for what they want to do. But they, they got Northern Illinois at home. They go to Ole Miss, which is, is struggling. And then they got UNLV at home, the next three. I think they got to go 3-0 and now. I think there goes your margin for error. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of guys coming back from injury. Quite frankly, it, the, the next game or two, if all things were going well, might be ones where if you had a guy kind of hurt, you'd want to hold him out and say, well, well, you know, maybe we'll save him for Ole Miss because that's a conference game. Then get him some more rest against UNLV and then step him back into conference if they can't afford to do that. Yeah, and I'll circle those two home games, Northern Illinois and UNLV. If they lose either of those games, people will throw the towel in on the season. I don't mean the players. I mean the fan base will say this is a lost What is there less to play for? There would only be that one thing at the end of the season to continue to beat Tennessee. Right. But, I mean, I could see if they beat – they need to win all three. You're right, to get to three and three. And then you go into the second – what would be the second half of the season saying, okay, we're we're back to even and let's get to six and six. And that would be very doable in the second half of the season. But it, you could lose – you could beat Northern Illinois and UNLV and lose at Ole Miss and and say, well, that's still it's – it's a road game. Now, mm-hmm. Ole Miss is not very good. But it's a road game and you could make a case that, well, we'll get that one back – Kentucky, TSU, UT, South Carolina, something in the back half of the season. But but yeah. I agree. If a bowl's in the cards, 3-0 and is what you probably need to do. 2-1 and is bare minimum. Right, because you go off of those three games with Northern Illinois out Ole Miss and then UNLV. Then you got Missouri, which has proven it that – it looks like a pretty good football team, yep. despite losing at Wyoming in its opener. And I think that I think Missouri will get better because Kelly Bryant will get yeah get get his feet under him, which he's starting to now. Right, you got South Carolina on the road, which not is not a great team, but it is another road game. And, and, I, and I don't like Vandy at South Carolina. If that game was home, I'd feel better about right. it. I don't. I don't. I don't like Vandy going to Columbia and winning, but it, it's possible. Yeah, and, and I'll just say they're not going to win at Florida. Nope. Um, it might might get sloppy. It might get – you need it to be really ugly to even have a chance. And Florida's capable of playing some ugly football, but I don't think that bad of football. And against Vandy, they have played ugly football. That, that game has been close two or three different times under Mason and Franklin, but they haven't won it. That was also – Dan Mullen also wasn't coaching those teams. Right. 
And then you close out with Kentucky coming to Nashville. Maybe winnable. East Tennessee State, which you would assume and hope that Vanderbilt would win. And then Vandy goes to Tennessee. It's nemesis and a chance to extend that streak to four in a row. So I, I just think you, you start out 0-3, you got to go 3-0 and in the next three. Yeah, I mean, well, if you're looking at wins, Northern Illinois, UNLV, I think those have to be must. ETSU is a must. So that's three. That's three and three. Losses are Florida and I think Missouri. That's three and five. Right. So then the rest of them are toss-up games, and you've got to I win. I don't know they're toss-up. I don't think them in South Carolina are going to be a toss-up, like a pick em type situation. Those are games that are winnable. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying from Vandy's perspective, right. if they I'm play— toss-up, but winnable. I, I guess the way I'm putting it in, if Vandy plays well, they, they can win that game. I, I think if they play well, they still lose to Florida. Right. So I, th- I think the category of I if you play well— I think they'll also have a tough time playing well against Florida because some stuff's just not going to work. Right, right. Florida's defense is kind of salty. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I was talking to somebody uh, before the press conference today about the narrative of Derek Mason. I mentioned it on here before. A lot of the let's fire Derek Mason came down after this last one. I mean, on Twitter, which isn't real life, I understand. but um, I wasn't one of those. But, <laughs> no, I don't think you were. No, I was not either. Okay. I think you have to start the season with what's your expectations. If your expectations are 6-6, six and six, which was mine, then you judge it when that's out of the picture. They lose to Northern Illinois. That's probably out of the picture. It's not out of the picture right now. Right, so right. They, they fired Derek Mason because they lost to LSU. Well, did you think they were going to beat LSU? Yeah. I think you'd make a little more of that case with Purdue, and Purdue's just the second game of the season. So a lot to play, but they, they have backed themselves into a, into a corner here needing a winning streak. Yeah, and, and this is where we begin to find out, like you said, what kind of – Team there are Northern Illinois trivia. Who is their most? Uh, who do you think of when you think of Northern Illinois football? I think of nobody. Michael the Burner Turner. Oh my! Who played okay. for, uh, for the Chargers, I believe, for quite a while. And uh, he also played the for the NFL. Falcons. Falcons, maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I think you're right. What era? Well, wait, what era? For the Chargers. What era were we talking about? Same. Uh, it came out about early 2000s, 2003 ish or so. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was the Chargers. Yeah. 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 I think it was Chargers then Falcons, but the Burner. So, you know what, Michael Turner, I'm thinking Michael Haynes. No, Michael Haynes was 90s Falcons. Michael Vick either. No, no, Michael Vick was played for the Falcons, but that's a totally different guy. That is a different guy. He, okay, he did not play at Northern Illinois Okay, either. that's so, good to know. So anyway, there's your Northern Illinois trivia. And do you know what their nickname is, what their mascot name is? Huskies. That's correct. Yep. So, Are Huskies, Huskies I don't in, the, know. in Northern Illinois I area? I think any dog can be a Husky if you, you know, maybe – Sort of. I think Huskies would be like Anchorage University or something, right? Well, isn't Washington, aren't they Huskies? Yeah, but that's farther north. Yeah, that's almost Alaska's not really, but in the right direction. I'm I'm uh, pro-animal mascot. Yukon, Husky. The main thing is they're going to bring a live canine to the sideline. Is that right? Are you guessing? No, I'm saying you, you need to. If you've got an animal mascot, you need to have a live animal. Alabama needs an elephant. Florida needs a gator. I mean, I'm just pro animal mascot because I don't like. I don't, I don't want some fool dressed in a costume. Yeah. Fire, and see, that's a and that's a styrofoam that's, costume. And that's a commodore. I understand that. No, no. But that's at offense. least a human being. I mean, I would still say just you know give him a costume. I'm okay with inanimate big. type th- or, or 
inanimate things that are animated. The you know people hate Big Red at Western, and I'm a middle grad, so I'm supposed to hate that. I kind of like it. It's it's a weird kind of glob that you I, can't. Yeah, I kind of like don't like it, but I kind of do like it. But at least it gives them an identity that they've got something of their own because it can't be anybody else's. Because right. what the heck is it? But I'm still pro animal. Animal is the best way to go. If you and have it, a mascot, do it as an animal. And, and I was told that that in Division One, uh, at least a major college, major, you know, like not not one double A or whatever we call that nowadays, FCS. There's there's no fish. Is that right? Um, I can't think of any. I, I don't think there are. Vandy has back to back rebels. Aren't isn't UNLV still the rebels? Yeah, yeah. That is. They have Ole Miss. Well, they got land sharks. That's close to a fish. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah, what is it? I called it uh, a couple weeks ago. Ole Miss is the uh, uh, Confederate black bear sharks. Okay. Yeah, because they have like nine mascots. And I don't know if I said this a couple of weeks ago, but if I did, I'm just going to say it again because I think it's the coolest thing ever. Is the uh, a couple of years ago the Mississippi State band taunted them by playing Baby Shark while they were beating them. <laughs> <laughs> you did not say that, but that's pretty that's good. the best thing that has happened in the SEC mm-hmm. probably since I don't know when. Since the last time Vandy won the SEC. I feel like UNLV Rebels are probably less offensive than Ole Miss Rebels. Probably, but I, I, I don't know. I, I like Civil War history. I don't recall what a are lot they rebelling in that area. Against in Nevada? Mm. Are they rebelling against legalized gambling? I would say so, yeah. Some of the other vices that are legalized there that I won't go <laughs> sure, into. Sure. Because this is a family podcast, darn it. So I think we have weaved a little away from our topic of breaking down the doors. All right, Vandy's going 3-0 and in the next... Uh, we'll see. Next three, maybe. I picked them to go to a bowl, so if I'm going to be correct, they need to. All right, let's wrap it up. All right, well, that will be it for this edition of Breaking Down the Doors. I'm Tommy Dees here for Adam Sparks, uh, urging you to uh, get a subscription to Tennessean.com and uh, follow Adam's coverage of the Vanderbilt Commodores and also to go to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to this one and maybe leave us a review. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition. And actually, we'll be back this week with an edition picking all the SEC games against the spread. Thank you for listening.